0: Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Hurtman. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app Providence Community or visit our website providencecommunity.org. Amen. Well, I really believe that God wants to remake our hearts tender. And I really think that we need to probably sing that song again, but I just want about 20 minutes of your time um, this morning because I've got a word on my on my heart that is just so simple. I, I almost was like didn't I didn't almost didn't bring notes into the uh, up with me today because it's just such a, a simple word. But um, I think uh, sometimes you have to uh, operate as a pastor and you have to help shepherd people and guide people. And sometimes you have to operate as a, a, a prophet and speak into situations that you see. And this morning, I just want to share a prophetic word on, on my heart that will encourage us, but it has to sting first. And as I look at the church today, the big C church across the board, one of my big concerns today is that we're just way too angry. It's way too angry. And I even, even that testimony from Jordan, like you walk into a church that actually does believe in healing like this one, and you get angry at that because you disagree with it. And uh, I just really believe, you know, you you watch the news, you see how Christians are there. (laughs) You can call it fake news or not fake news. It, It really doesn't matter. It's just when you look at the church, we're motivated by anger, we're appalled by so much and it's just not the way of Jesus. Anybody? I, uh, I you know, I, I look at how Jesus handled things, and I can't remember, except when Jesus saw religious people misrepresenting his dad. I can't remember Jesus getting angry at the brokenness he sees in the world. I can't remember Jesus getting stressed out and uptight and rebuking people that didn't even know him yet. Um, last week, I had the, my brother Philip and I had the privilege of, of going down uh, to Florida uh, to, to minister at another church, and when we were flying on this, uh, on Legion Air, which is, which is not, they're not known for their space, and Philip and I were sitting right next to a, each other, so it was, it was quite a scene, you know, basically on one another's laps, you know, for two and a half hours. Um, there was a, another gentleman that wasn't tiny that sit right next, sat right next to me, and I was in the middle. And uh, um, it was in Nathan's sandwich. It was wonderful. It was, but he began uh, talking to me, and it was a two and a half hour plane ride, and probably the first, from the first 10 minutes in, he and I started talking, because I love to see who God has... Uh, for me on a plane. I've been flying more, speaking at some other places, and I've always got someone that God wants me to talk to uh, on the plane. And this guy that I was talking to, I think if Guinness was there, he set a record for most swear words in a small amount of time, all right? And I was actually uh, impressed. I was just like, man, I almost wanted to pull out my phone and say, can you just pause for a second? I want to, I want to capture this, man. You know how to use colorful terminology better than anybody else ever knew. If this was a, if this was back in the pirates days, like you would be a pirate just for your use of the language. It's so good. And I, uh, I was, you know, this is, listen to this. I could have been angry at this guy, or I could have said, this guy doesn't know Jesus. You can't expect someone to talk for Jesus that doesn't even know Jesus, guys. And so instead, you can get impressed and you can call out the gold in somebody. Like, wow, does this guy swear well. (laughs) And this has to like to reposture our hearts, guys. To reposture our hearts so we see people that are lost and broken and we don't shame them into the kingdom in our anger that we actually see gold in them and we say man you use the language well imagine if your heart had the tre- a treasure named Jesus imagine how you could talk to people and i'm just i'm just so i'm so concerned at how i see the church like i'm like the advice that i'm getting these days from, from people that are naming the name of Jesus they're encouraging me to to preach politically they're encouraging me to fight things from this place. That, do you know that God gave me this not to angrily shout out my agenda or yours, but to serve the body? Do you know that? That is, And so I, I'm, look, I'm, looking, I'm looking at how the American church is fighting against darkness, and it's too angry. It's almost like we're going back to the Crusades. Do you know that? Do you know anything about church history at all? Do you know where we came from? Do you know that in the crusades that people under the name of Jesus actually went on killing sprees, winning back cities and towns? Do you know that they want to conquer Jerusalem and they're trying to convert people at sword point? And here today we're forming militias and we're doing all this heinous non-kingdom stuff under the name of Jesus. Do you know that Tertullian, one of the Founding church fathers said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And we're talking, we're talking, like we're building bunkers and thinking that that is how you prepare for the end of the world. But you prepare for the end of the world by softening your heart and saying, Jesus, I'm not my own. Use me any way you want I just want to see your kingdom advancing. I want to keep a soft heart. I want to be spilled out. I want to be like perfume poured out on the world. And this is not how we preach anymore. This is not how we talk anymore. This is not how we dream anymore. We actually want to be used like a, like a battering ram in a, in a dark day. We want to knock down the gates of hell. Jesus has knocked down the gates of hell. And if we're not operating in his heart, we're not. You see, yeah, I'm just tired of advancing the, the kingdom at gunpoint, spiritually speaking. And I, I just want to be a part of a people that are willing to say, hey, Jesus, take my whole life. This is, the, my life is not about my rights. My, my, my life is not about me. My life is about you. Do you know that the, uh, the Moravians... Um, they, uh, you know, they're famous for a lot of things. They went a little bit weird if you kind of do a, you know, if you do a study on them. A lot of people go weird. It doesn't, you can't negate the good that they did because they got a little weird. Hello? The, uh, so, you know, all the best people are a little weird, right? You know, look at Keith, you know what I'm saying? Like, so the, uh, right? Come on. Look at Jordan. Look at me. Like, come on, guys. Like, look at the, the church is, is supposed to be a little weird. Like, we just need to laugh at it, right? So, but, uh the Moravians let go of all their rights and sold themselves into slavery to tell people about Jesus. And I do not, well, I rarely catch whiffs of that type of heart posture these days. And so what I do catch a whiff of is you're sitting next to somebody who's dropping every kind of curse bomb and then we think that it's spiritual to make them feel bad. And so this morning, I just wanna remind us that in the kingdom, Jesus is not firing us up with anger and sending us out. He's firing us up with something altogether different. In fact, the way that Jesus handles conflict, the way that Jesus invades darkness is actually he's, he's inviting us to become servants and then sending us out into the world. So if you have your Bibles and you can open them to Mark chapter 10 uh, and then going to verse 42, um, I, I just wanna share this with you. I Really, there's. this is not gonna be like some scholarly exposition of this text. I, I just want you to see something with fresh eyes and then Holy Spirit, just do what you wanna do, amen? But here's the context of this passage. In Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 42, the context is, or so the verse is right before this. This is the where Jesus is walking into a conversation that his disciples are having and his disciples are arguing over who will be the greatest. Now, now this is crazy. So these guys are literally watching Jesus. Uh, they, they, you know, I, I'm not sure if they really understand who He is, but they do understand how He operates. And Jesus is not looking for titles. He's not looking for thrones. He's not looking for positions. Like He's hanging out with lepers. He's hanging out with the the, the dregs of society. Like he's he's rolling on back roads. Like he's not even coming down like Center Street anywhere. He's just doing this. But still, there's something in the human heart that wants to be great, that wants to be best, that wants to have some type of a weird worldly authority so we can control others and feel better about ourselves. And Jesus walks into a literal argument with his disciples over who's going to have the most authority in the kingdom, who's going to be the greatest, right? It's, It's like, who's the GOAT? Tom Brady or you know Joe Theismann, which I, I I'm a Theismann all day, right? So who's the Michael Jordan or who? Like it's just we have these we have these conversations because we love to say who's the greatest. But Jesus' idea of greatness is far different than this world, far far different. And the the what is happening here. And you always know this, it's, it's a worldly spirit when you're arguing over this, where there's dissension over this. Whose fault is it? Well, it's not my fault, it's yours. Well, it's not my fault, it's your. And there's like, it's the worldly spirit. You know that you can disagree in a kingdom way and leave smiling at one another, believing in one another, loving one another? It's a worldly way when you have to part ways because of disagreement. You see? And Jesus handles conflict this way. I'm just gonna read this whole passage to you and then go back and and comment. We're at Mark chapter 10. Let me find myself here, uh, right here. And it says, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Listen to this, timely word for us, church it shall, this is how the world works. But this is not how my blood-bought bride operates. This is not how my sons and daughters operate. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as Jesus walks into this conflict, this argument, Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? It really starts out, James and John are like, Jesus, in the kingdom, we wanna sit on your left and right. We wanna be your number one and number two. And then there's probably an argument about, well, who's number one and who's number two, right? It's just always like, we're looking for our greatness. The church says Jesus is the greatest, that is settled. We just sang this this morning. This is not about us. This is about you. This is about your glory. That is, that is a settled fact. We, it is better to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness where they're trying to figure out who's the goat. All right? I would just rather, I just, nearness with God living from his presence, that's what I care about now. I don't care about what title I have, what, what throne I sit on, if I'm number one or number two or number 20, I, I just don't care. And Jesus is coming along and basically what, what he's saying in verse 42 is he says, he says, friends, you're desiring like the world. This desire, this conversation, you never hear Jesus talking like this. And when he hears it in his own ranks, in his own family, with his own friends, he calls them together, he doesn't shame them, but he's saying you're operating in something other than my heart. You're operating in something other than my spirit. And here's what he goes to, he goes down to their want. He goes down to their desire. What you really want is you want power. You want position, you want authority. Now, we have a lot of reasons why we would want that. I I think that one of the things that we're missing today is we're missing like a discipleship structure where boys know when they're men. And so Jesus is talking to a bunch of men physically that still may be boys spiritually. You can be 55 years old and still think and operate like a nine-year-old because masculinity is, is bestowed from man to man. You know this? So, Jesus is talking to a group of men here, and this is how boys talk. I'm the best. I'm the best. No, did you see my shot? No, I threw the ball like perfect spirals. It was me. Did you see this? This is how boys talk. And you have to get around men to say, you're not a man based on how you throw, you're not a man based on what title you have. That is not what biblical masculinity is, it's not what makes you you. That's what, not what makes you a man. It's not about power. It's not about position. It's not about authority. It's not about the, the toys that you can afford. This is not how you lead. Don't you know me by now, guys? This is not it. This is not how my kids are gonna lead in my kingdom. This is not how, this is not how we're gonna even live. This is not how we're gonna think. This is not going to be our want. In the kingdom, this is how the world does it. Gentiles, or other words, people outside the family of God, this is how they do it. You get in positions of authority and then you have servants and servants serve you and because you have the power and you have the authority and you have the money and they're afraid to not. But in the kingdom, it's not Downton Abbey. You know that? I think we watch that and we're like, man, wouldn't that be nice to have a whole staff of people that bring me tea in bed. Wouldn't this be so great? They they can call me Lord, and they call my life you know the my wife the uh, you know the lady. lady. Yes, who said that? Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, yeah, Bonnie, you better stop watching Down Nabby. No, no, I I watch. It's fun. The uh, but but here's and so we think like this that the, the Gentiles in other words Gentiles being people who are not a part of the family of God, what they do is that when they get power and position, they have servants. Feel better about themselves. But that is not how Jesus operates. Look at verse 43 and 44. Jesus says, Jesus says this if you want to go after your own power and authority and you want to feel great about yourselves, that is actually what breeds conflict. All right? Look, let's just read it again, verse 43 and 44. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever, whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Now, this is actually taking the... Um, that the authority structure, the, the cultural context of the day that is hierarchical, that is like slaves and servants are at the bottom, barely even people, okay? And you get kings and queens and rulers that are up here. And, and, G, and, and so these have more value and these have less value, all right? And Jesus is taking in doing this. Yeah, yeah. So you're arguing about who's the greatest. But if you're going to be in competition, uh, compete at who's going to serve the quietest. If you're going to be in competition, uh, be in competition about who's going to love the wildest. This... It's what happens in the kingdom. And when it's not there, if, if we try to say we're in the kingdom, but we have this heart posture that is actually going after power and going after authority and wants it, but we're trying to mask it because we're naming the name of Jesus, but we're trying to mask it, what is impossible to keep back from our lives is, is weird, unhealthy conflict. Because you're at conflict with yourself. And it comes out. Now, I'm not saying that All conflict is bad, there's really good conflict, and and actually some of us need to have more conflict. So what happens is, someone hurts us and offends us, we're polite, because we wouldn't want them to know it, but then we go home and we journal about them, and we're actually angry at them, but we're we're pretending we're, we're not. That's called deceit, and what happens is that deceit turns into bitterness, which basically turns into spiritual cancer, and kills you faster. And then, but this kind of spiritual cancer contaminates everybody you touch. So there actually needs to be more conflict, but the healthy kind says I'm actually gonna serve you by not letting you, uh, you know, think something that's untruthful about me. We're, we're just gonna talk, all right? Conflict in the kingdom gets resolved when we posture our hearts as servants. And this is what the world needs to see, my friends. This is what the world needs to see. So we've got like a, a cursing sailor who he had to ask me what I do for a living. <laughs> and I almost lied, right? Almost lied. Almost said, yeah, I own a, you know, a, a animal shelter. You know, so you can have a good conversation about, what's your favorite animal? Well, I hate cats. You know, I could, we could have kind of had that convo. Cats Are demonic. You know, we could have gone all (laughs) kinds of biblical places. But I just told him, and I'm telling you, this is at least 500 swear words in. Told him, I'm a pastor. (laughs) We were facing forward until that part where we both kind of slowly stared at one another. And he became a Christian so fast. It was, oh, I knew about his missions trips, <laughs> told me about his pastor, you know, all these things. Um, and uh, it, was, it was really interesting. I, I, honestly, though, like, I just, I love that stuff, guys. I love that stuff. I love when you can make friends with like a swearing pirate. And you can tell them, and there's, there's just no judgment, there's just love. There's just love. I'm telling you, like, like we're so easily offended by words that we, other people say the words that we think and we're offended. <laughs> this is the, the, the hypocrisy in the church. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, you know, like, man, like I could just talk about this all day, but the church has to, when, when the world thinks of the church, they have to think of, of the love of Jesus and people that would give their lives for them, not people that want to shame them into not going to hell, which is not even the gospel, All right? The gospel is, by faith you get Jesus. Oh, man, that we would just be like Jesus. Anyone uh, seen the Chosen series? Like, just who? (laughs) Just watch it. Who gets shamed into the kingdom under Jesus' ministry? (laughs) Really? Jesus is constantly going to people that need him with him. Ministering the kingdom, healing diseases, sharing love with people that would in other ways be overlooked. And I just, we need to get back to this. Do you know that this, that Jesus is saying in, in this passage that, that we are servants, we are servants, and we're not angry ones, we're loving servants, and anger is not a part of the ministry of the kingdom. So let's talk about this, though, because I think we talk a lot about our identity in Christ, and then we get confused when I say, "Hey, we're servants." And we say, "What? Well, uh, I thought we were sons. I thought we were daughters. I thought that made us royalty." How can you say we're servants? Because if you're thinking like that, you're still thinking about this, in you know, a kind of old school, eighteen ninety-eight, uh, monastic or not monastic, but hierarchical hierarchical structure, all right, where the sons and daughters are up here, all right? Jesus wants to flip that. Say sons and daughters serve. In the kingdom, the the greatest people are the ones who love. The greatest people are the ones who serve. If you're down here fighting for your own position, complaining about who's not serving you, that just shows you, you don't understand your identity. Positionally speaking, we are royalty. Sons and daughters. Practically speaking, we're servants. We wait tables and we pour our lives that others may know Jesus. This is how God has wired it. We get broken when we see darkness. We, we get indignant towards the enemy, not towards people, we, we see how the enemy, like, do, do, you, do you sense and feel, like, especially over this area? Like, I was just in Florida last week, and it feels better down there, and it's, it's, not, it's not just the, the ocean air, all right? It is, the, there's something about this area where you can have a great conversation with a person and then, like, in five minutes, not like them. What is that? Well, it's, it's the, the, an enemy stronghold that I think that God's calling our church to break in these days. And so we have to, but it's not broken by like, you know, like screaming and hey, uh, having me. It's broken with love, guys. It's broken with servants. This is how it's broken. And so I, I've seen so much conflict arise because we don't get this right in the church. Now, let me tell you a few places where we haven't gotten this right. And it's, it's, it's just coming from my 22 years of pastoral ministry from the front line. So if you don't want to believe me, like it's, it's totally fine. But this is what I've seen over my 22 years. I I see people that serve, but they're serving for a position. It's the same thing, all right? No, no, I'm serving. But if you're serving so you could be one or two in the kingdom, you weren't serving. You were jockeying for position, which is not service, which is exposing your heart and your motives. We don't, have to, we don't have to judge people's motives. We just need to see the fruit of their life and just go on that. You can't judge people's motives. This motive judging never works. Well, you, you, you look at the fruit of somebody's life and what they do and what comes out of them, all right? Um, Galatians chapter 5, 13 says this, and we're talking about a Galatian church that is, man, they're, they're in it big time, like what there's all kinds of lines being drawn and they're arguing and they're they're like ah and here's what Paul says to the church in Galatians 5:13b through love serve one another It's just I'm stunned like sometimes you read the Bible and you're reading along you're reading along and then sometimes you get kicked in the face through love serve one another through love serve one another so we are called to serve but we're not called to serve for position we're called just to serve out of love why, why would you be doing that it's love i think many times too we uh we 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 posture our hearts like this and i've seen this so many times we posture our heart where we we walk into a church and before we serve we watch i'm just calling those people watch men and women so we're watchmen I'm just going to, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're in the back or the front or to the side, but, but you're not there to serve, you're there to watch. And if you watch long enough, you're going to find something weird. That's how it is. Every family, the most godly family, you watch, you come to the Herndon's, you're going to watch this, you're going to see weird stuff. All right? So, but when you're, when you're watching, not serving, you are, you're waiting to be offended and concerned. All right? So there are supposed to be watchmen on the wall looking for the enemy. But watchmen get promoted to that place out of service. You don't skip service and go to watching. If you've done that, that's, that, that was a, a false promotion, okay? Leadership in a church, see someone serving, they prove that they have a heart of love. They prove that they're a spiritual mom or dad in the family, and then you trust those people's eyes. They're going to be looking out of love, not looking out of concern. Oh man, if I could snap my finger and just have like the watchman just, just you know, just like turn to lovers, man, I would. I would. When you're watching out of love, you're watching out of concern. You're, for, for uh, you're loving concern. You want to see people grow up into Christ, become more like him, see the kingdom break out. Woo! But you're, when, you're, when you're just watching because you, you saw something weird on YouTube and you want to, don't want to make sure it's here. That's not the heart of Jesus. That's not how the kingdom works. And you don't assume a position. You're empowered into it. Woo, man, man, I could, wow. Oh, too much experience on that one. Let, let me move on. Let me move on if you guys only knew. Oh, boy. Let me do, move this, that the, the, a servant's heart's posture, that while they're not a, a watchman, they're also, a servant is not a consumer. Did you know that? Now, we're just getting, we're, we made our bed and now we have to sleep in it in the church. We made a pie, now we have to eat it. We believed we believed Harvard Business Studies <laughs> and stuff for so long that now we've actually made it acceptable to come to church and just consume. Church was never, never, meant to be run like that. We you get to come to church and you get to actually ask yourself and you think that it's, it's right, did I like it? <laughs> did I like, <laughs> man, maybe I missed that. Is that, is that you know, Hezekiah chapter 19 or something? Or is that like, what, is that, oh, did you like the gathering? Did they? Did you like the preaching? Did you like the music? Whoa, silly me. Like, man, man wow. I, I just, I, I thought that this is just, like the, the one person that gets to watch and say if I liked it or not was Jesus. Since he bled and died for the church purchasing a bride. Like, I, I just thought that he was the one we were showing up for. And when we're driving home, we need to say from a tender heart, Jesus, you like that? It was all for you. I, I went there for you today. But now in the church, we actually get to, like, consume. Uh, one of my favorite preachers is Banning leaf cherries, a, a pastor at Jesus Culture in California. And he said this. He says, church is a house, not a restaurant. Yeah. You know? Have you ever, have you ever, um, like, I, I think my mom's in the crowd here somewhere. There she is. If I... If, if I was 12 years old and I would, have, I would have come home from school and I would have sat down at the dining room table and I would have asked for a menu, all right, and then I would have said, where's my water in my bread basket, yo, you know, I promise you I would be dead today, all right, I would not be here, all right, dead or, or like at least I wouldn't have limbs, all right. She's from Georgia, she would have ripped them off of me like that, I promise. And it would have been legal because it was the 80s, all right? None of this nonsense that you can't discipline your kids. It just would have been, yeah, you can't walk. That's what you get, all right? This is, this is, not, a, this is not a restaurant. This is a house. And in a house, you're a part of a family. As a part of the family, it's the expectation that you serve, it's the expectation that you serve. Now I know that some people are coming to this house, and you've been used and abused. And as as a, a part of a serving house like this, we want to say with all of our heart, grace to you, and sit in the back and cry and weep and get prayer as long as as long as you need until you're healed and whole. For really, like I just want to give. I want to give you full permission, if you just need to cry and you're broken, we don't want you just serving because, you know, ah, I gotta serve, and that's the expectation. It's, it's a kingdom expectation that you use your gifts and you serve because you're part of a family, but there are some uh, situations where you need to serve. Like, if, if my mom would've, <clears throat> my legs, and I couldn't've walked, I would've need to heal up, I, I can't go get my own water, right? And some people are so broken that we need to have a healthy house where they can get healing, okay? But for the most part, you come to a house and you don't, you don't look at the menu like that. The bulletin that you get, that's not your menu. <laughs> oh man, well I think, well, oh, yeah, I think, well, maybe, I don't know. Let's try small groups today. Let's see how that goes. Let's see if they wow me. <laughs> small groups are, are not on the menu. Small, small groups are important for your heart. That you would actually do life with some people and learn to love them. Just learn to grow with them. Learn to... Use your gifts in that place. You, you, you just learn to serve. You First know, Peter chapter four, verse 10 to 11, says, "As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. You see this? Do we, how, how do we miss this? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Do you know what is very glorious? is when the church gets together and they're not consuming, they're serving. And they're actually using gifts to bless other people, fire them up. So any gift that I've gotten from the Holy Spirit, I actually wanna use to fire somebody up today. And when the church gets together like that, man, it's awesome, I'm gonna, I've used this gift and this gift is not a badge of honor, okay? Whatever gift or gifts that you have, whatever gifts package you have, you may, you may be the, the most gifted person, all right? It, it doesn't mean that you're better than everybody else. It, it means that there's, there's a, a, a more weighty stewardship on your life to actually serve with those things, all right? These are not badges of honors. They, these are tools for reaching the world and encouraging the body, you see, all right? You didn't like that one, I can tell. You should spend some time in the scriptures, all right? Gifts don't make you better, they, they, they make you wilder. They, may, they make you, they, they, they're a tool in your hand that you get to wield for the kingdom. And you get to you say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve today. I'm going to love today. I'm going to paint today. I'm going to dance today. I'm going to speak today. I'm going, I'm going to administrate today. I'm going to organize today. I'm going to, it is like when, if we, if we get, uh, you know what I mean by ecclesiology, you know? ecclesiology and it's just me like the study of the church if our study of the church leads us to a place where this doesn't matter at all and the only thing that matters is just my personal alone time with Jesus all right which does matter but this matters too and they actually work together okay so we have church wherever we go on, on a walk down the street or right here. This is church too. All right. But if we pull ourselves out so much from the gathering, then, then we, we don't get to give our gift in service and receive our, our as someone else's gift. That is so important for discipleship. It is so important for healthy body life. Ministry of the gifts of the spirit in the body. They're not badges, they're tools to serve. Wow. And Jesus goes on in verse, well, let let me, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 9, starting with verse 19 and then going on. He says, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. So I'm serving to win some. I'm operating in a winsome life, serving, using every gift at my disposal to see people come to Jesus. Man, that is the song I would like us to start living in the church again. Not who's right. Who do I get to win? And Jesus's mission was serve, was serve and die. You know that? Serve and die. I want to be like Jesus. All the angels sing his praise, and I just want to be part of that. All right. Well, if you want to be like Jesus, Jesus's life was serve and die. I'm excited to get that back in the church. People that love Jesus more than life. Verse 45, for even the son of man, Jesus says, came. Now, what follows this is the reason for his coming. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many you see this in Jesus' life all across the board, but I don't think there's any more startling than John chapter 13, where Jesus, at the last supper, takes off his outer garments, taking on literally the form of a servant, takes a basin and a towel, and and washes his disciples' dirty, grimy feet. We don't get this today because we drive forts. But people didn't have forts back then. They walked everywhere. Was, to say that people's feet were dirty is a massive understatement. It was just it was just absolutely disgusting. And you don't, kings don't wash feet. All right? Servants do. Except for King Jesus, who says, this king washes feet. And then he calls his disciples to do what he just did. Now, now, I don't think there's anything more spiritual, personally, about washing someone's feet. Or I, I think Jesus is saying, I am modeling what it is to get into the grime of somebody else's life and to humble yourself and serve whatever need they have. And Jesus models this, he's washing. The, can you imagine this just for a moment? The Lord of all stripping himself, doing the work of a servant, washing grime off of a body. Now, if the watching world saw the church doing that, laying down rights to serve, it'd be insane. And so all all I can say here is is keep my heart tender, Jesus. Actually, can the band just come out? I just feel like we need to sing that. I'm gonna skip my last last thing, and I'm just gonna, I just think, I just want us to sing this song. Don't you feel it when you sing this? as like a, a cry of the church. But I just, I wanna ask you this as the band is coming out. I, I, want you to a, a, I wanna ask you to look at your life, observe your life for a moment. Who are you laying your life down for? Who are you serving with all of your heart? How are you operating in anger instead of operating in a posture of the kingdom? It, what, what, is, what is going on in your marriage? And it, let, let me tell you this. I, I, uh, the other night, I woke up. It was, a, it was an early Sunday morning. I get up at 5, 5.30 on Sunday mornings, 3.15 in the morning. My smoke alarm goes off. It's, it, was not, it was just a few months old. Smoke alarm goes off. And it's the kind that doesn't really have a battery. It's like, it's like up in the ceiling. And I didn't get a, a lesson on how to use this thing. All right, and so it goes off and I'm fumbling around at like 3.15 in the morning, I get it off and I go back to bed, 15 15 minutes later it goes off again. And so I'm fumbling around again, go back to bed. Half an hour later, I'm just ripping it from the ceiling, just destroying it. And, and I'm sitting here and I can't, and it's going off often now because then I pulled some type of a, of a little plug that made it chirp every few moments and it's chirping at me. I remember holding this in my hand, I'm saying, I know this is designed to save my life and I'm about to end it. <laughs> oh man. And this is why I had to sell my guns, you know, for moments like this. I'm just like, I shouldn't have them in my house, you see. And so I'm literally wondering, like, where's a hammer? All right, here's the three options in my head. I hammer this thing to death, all right? I I just do away with it. I I throw it out the window and I make it the neighbor's problem. I throw it right on the roof, all right? I had a great shot. Could have done that, all right? Or, and I forget the other option. Those two are the main ones. I narrowed it down to them. But what I decided to do is I decided to YouTube this. I'm at like now 3.45 in the morning, I'm typing in, you know, the serial number and all of this stuff. And I decided to figure this thing out because its ultimate purpose was to save my life. I'm, 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 I'm gonna do the hard work of doing life with this dumb machine. And I, and I feel like, I feel like in the church, like someone comes and they beep at us weird and they get us out of bed and they keep doing it. And then what we decide to do in the church is just, is just either, you know, crush their, uh, you know, crush them, crush their reputation, you know, throw them to somebody else's roof. And in the church, how you do that is you just leave. Just say, let that be somebody else's problem. But I'm just challenging that in the kingdom, in the church, guys. it is is much harder to to be family than we've learned. It is much, much harder. You don't just get to say hasta la vista and go your own way. That's not the heart of Jesus. You you have to, like, if the the cross of Jesus can save us from our sins, how how can it not also save us from one another? How, like, how is this possible? That one of the options that we would have is just to Get rid, just smash, just annihilate. Just, we, we, do we wanna be right or do we wanna follow Jesus? Like, come on. So I just, I just wonder how, like, here's, here's what I would like us to do today is just invite Jesus to smash our hearts, to take away any desire that we would wanna just like inflict pain on somebody else and where we would be willing to take the posture of a servant and just say, Jesus, make my heart tender. Pray this dangerous prayer. Make my heart tender, Jesus. Make my heart tender. I want to see people like you see people. I, I want to I lay down my life for others. I want to be a drink offering poured on the sacrifice of other people's faith. I know that life in the body of Christ is not gonna be easy, all right? It's gonna be hard, but Jesus is worth it, amen? Some of you, you need to go and you need to pick up kids, and I get that. Some of you, I'm just like, take five minutes. Let the song minister you again. Get on your feet, um, or, or get on your knees. Uh, use your feet to get on your knees. Just do, do some, what whatever. Just say, God, pour me out. I want a tender heart. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.